Hello everybody, on this episode of The Garage of Horror, we are talking A Nightmare on Elm Street and Vigilante Justice. We have a special guest, a friend I made through Twitter, who runs MutantFam.com and has his fingers in many horror pies. So give it up for the man with the Mutant Fam plan, Frank Soma. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Matt, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. And how are you, listeners? <laughs> so tell us, well, yeah, tell them because I already know how awesome mutantfam.com is and what you do, but but tell everybody else. Cool. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm so excited to be on the show. Um, mutantfam.com started about six months ago um, as a way to try and promote all the different people in the mutant fam that were creating things. You know, we all got together to watch Joe Bob and we would all have fun on Twitter talking to each other. But like a lot of people in the community were making podcasts and YouTube channels and Etsy stores and fanzines and all sorts of stuff. And I wanted to give them one central location to just kind of show off all their stuff. And so for the past few months, uh, you know, I've just been like uh, embedding myself in this community and meeting, you know, awesome people like yourself and just, uh, adding their content to mutantfam.com. It's, it's just like, you know, I used to explain it as almost like a streaming service for all of us. You could just scroll through all the videos or scroll through all the podcasts that are available. Um, and since then, it's kind of uh, evolved to be, you know, I, I help throw all the different events with Mutant Theater, Mutant Cafe, Killer Horror Critic, uh, you know, and all those different people. We, we do the Friday Night Frights, which is... Uh, supposed to replace kind not I mean, replace is the wrong word but it's supposed to take the the friday night slot of uh the last drive-in when they go off the air we still want the community to be together so we throw these events where you know we pick the movies and everyone comes in live tweets uh and we also do like uh we did a, a memorial day event we're about to do a fourth of july event so there's just a lot going on you know anyone can go to the site to check out all the different upcoming events and just all the different people that are involved yeah, I've been busy with work. So, like, what do you, what do you got slated for July fourth? So, uh, on July fourth, we have um, here. Let me pull up the exact schedule of what it is. But we just have a, a six movie marathon, which is the same that we did on Memorial Day. We just called it like a, a mutant fan barbecue, uh, and each each one of the movies is sponsored by someone else or someone different. So, you know, Mutant Theater sponsors one of them. Killer Horror Critic, Ritual Light and Sound. Uh, Monster Movie Happy Hour, Mutant Cafe, and myself. Um, and I'm just trying to find the exact. I'm doing I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. We have Uncle Sam, um, uh, Scare Package, The Bay, Return of the Living Dead. And we just got word actually from the director of Scare Package that they're going to have some of the the crew and cast tweet along with us. So we're really nice. excited. Yeah, right? It's cool that like, We've taken this spot within the mutant fam where 
you know, Darcy or Diana Prince and Joe Bob are, are the leaders, but when they're off the air, you know, they want to take a break. But the whole community is always looking for someone to kind of lead the charge. And so now, like, creatives, like the director of a movie, look at us like, oh, dang, they're the ones that are, like, kind of creating these events for everyone. Hey, let me reach out to them. Maybe maybe I could be part of their live tweet. Um, and it's real cool that this director literally just reached out to us about it. We didn't even have to reach out to him. It is awesome. And I mean, like, I know. So you said six months ago. So, like, did you start MutantVam.com in January? December. It was like December, December. 28th or something. Okay. Yeah, because, like, I started this podcast in January. Right. Yeah. I remember just being on Twitter, looking for opportunities, came across your site, saw all the different um, podcasts that you were talking about, and I was like, okay, I need to get on here. Yeah. Yeah, and, right. <laughs> you know, and so I did, and, you know, we've, we've done a lot of – a lot of cool stuff since then, like, uh, you know, with the Friday Night Frights, like you were saying, and then when you were doing the the mute marathons, you know, I was kind of piggybacking my podcast off your theme a couple times there, so that, like there was like a pre-show. Right. You did the interview yeah. with, with uh, Diana, with Darcy before the Friday the 13th event, which was awesome. Yeah, it was like we were very prolific during the early days of the lockdown, <laughs> like when nobody could go anywhere, nobody had anything to do. Like a lot of us just kind of seemed to just come together and, and do shit. And it was like if you just went on Twitter like every day, there was never something you could find to do. <laughs> Right. We were like pioneers of the social distancing community still like, you know, a lot of people are just learning about Zoom and like virtual happy hours and watch alongs and stuff like that. And we were sitting there doing it for months beforehand, you know, because it was just a cool thing to do. And now it's like the whole world is forced to do it. And like we would, you know, we did, you know, me, you and John did that quarantine radio podcast a few times. And we were all so hyped about the idea of like, we've been doing this for months and now everyone wants to join us. And for the first few weeks of quarantine and pandemic, we were going hard. And then it's like, everyone just felt reality come down on, on us. We're like, man, this is kind of tougher than we thought. <laughs> yeah. And then I went back to work and now I have no time. <laughs> right. It's like 11 o'clock at night, but we're going to make this podcast happen. <laughs> I know. Cause I mean, you've been talking about doing something together forever. So <laughs> you know like here we go finally absolutely so yeah so, that, that's the basics of it awesome so you sent me your i saw your notes i saw that you did a re he did a rewatch of nightmare on elm street earlier yeah it's not like i haven't watched it five thousand times but that's like, why i told my <laughs> that's why i told des because like you know she doesn't like those older movies <laughs> so i was like listen i'm i've seen a nightmare on elm street so much I could do this with my eyes closed. I'm not going to make you watch it. Mm -hmm. I like to rewatch it with like the idea of what we're going to be talking about. Like, like when you and I started, like for briefly, we started working on a Hellraiser comic book uh, or a reanimator comic book, excuse me together. And like, uh, you know, I rewatched reanimator for the thousandth time, just with the idea of, you know, what's this, what are we going to add to this story? And similarly today, I rewatched nightmare on Elm street, just thinking about vigilante justice, you know, just, literally looking at every scene and considering what I could, you know, speak of in, in regard to that scene uh, as far as like vigilante justice goes. Yeah. So I told her, like when I first started doing this, it's like, I watched so many horror movies, so many movies in general. And I usually just, I usually just, well, I don't want to say turn off my brain, but like 
you know, I usually just watch for entertainment. Mm-hmm. And then once I actually started watching, like, I guess, like with that critical eye, you know, like looking for things to talk about and, you know, different things like that, it like totally changed my viewing experience. I, I can feel what I exactly agree with that. Like, you know, I, I've never taken notes during a movie, for instance. So that was unique. <laughs> yeah, I, I usually don't take notes or I should, but I usually look at my wife and I'm like, ah, I don't need to take notes. I got it. And then <laughs> we get on like an hour after the movie's over and I got nothing. Right. I don't even necessarily think I need to look at the notes while we're talking. It's just, it's almost like writing it down during the movie embeds it in my head better. It's like being in class and taking notes. They say if you write the stuff that you're learning, it, it just helps you keep it or, or retain it better. Indeed. He did take his iPad for you know, a couple movies to uh, possibly take notes and just never picked it up. <laughs> <laughs> you end up being so engulfed in the movie, you don't even, and then like a half hour, 45 minutes goes by and you, you think, oh, let me take a note. But you're like, fuck, I forgot to take notes that whole four, <laughs> first 45. What am I going to write down now? <laughs> yeah, like what's the point now? So I found it worked better because I did it for the Friday the 13th episode. Like it was actually the last episode before we went on our hiatus. It was like I watched Friday the 13th and then I got the iPad out and I jotted the shit down when it was over. There you go. Yeah, I kind of made an outline (laughs) and that seemed to work. Well, that's awesome. But yes, so for everybody listening, because we've said it, like tonight we're talking about, I know Frank is a a Friday the 13th guy. (laughs) He's all about his Jason, but but Freddy's my boy. (laughs) Freddy is where I live. (laughs) So we're talking about the Wes Craven's 1984 classic, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Right, and, and and I go Team Voorhees when we're like having some sort of like all out who's the best battle, but I, I mean, I am obsessed with both. Like to, <laughs> to say that I like one of them better than the other is just like a minuscule difference. I'm not saying I don't like Freddy, like Jason. and Fr- it, it seems like such a like low hanging fruit. Like if, as you're a horror fan, it's like, oh, well, you know, you could like some really obscure, like unknown horror film and kind of like want street cred for it. But I'm gonna straight up say I love Freddie and Jason more than fucking anything. You know, it just, I don't I don't feel ashamed to be liking the basic bitch horror. <laughs> yes, yeah, like I'm not a hipster, <laughs> right? <laughs> so before we get into the, like I said, we're gonna go through it and really talk about like the vigilante justice part of it. But before we get to that, you know, I figure we'll just talk about you know the movie first and like our experiences with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much Des will have to say in this segment because I don't know how many times you've actually watched that. I think all the way through, probably twice. And once was with Haley. Yeah. When y'all were being haters. <laughs> how could you hate on it? It's such a, like, it's so good. It's so well made. Like, all the graphics still hold up. I don't feel like anything about it is really, like, like aged too poorly. Like, it, it, I feel like it. even the new, the 2010 version, probably looks shittier today the what version (laughs) yeah the one that i don't even want to admit exists the remake um and how was remade i wish it wasn't (laughs) (laughs) but i feel like that looks shittier today because the cgi doesn't hold up than the 84 version does like i feel like the older the original version looks better than the remake well in that version it should not be named Um, (laughs) where they fucked up was like the whole Oh, let's make a, a realistic farm person. Like, 
mm-hmm. they would realistically look like if they were burned. And it's like, dude, I'm not watching Nightmare on Elm Street to see like Meltman. Okay. Like I have a very definitive idea of what Freddy Krueger is supposed to look like. Amen. And that shit was not it. <laughs> nope. Not at all. <laughs> but I will say, I think Jackie or Earl Haley is probably the only good thing about that hypothetical beauty. <laughs> right. But so yeah, back to back to the original. Like, uh, <laughs> what what is there to say about it? It changed the genre, you know. Uh, it 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 revitalized slashers in a in a in like a, a different path. It gave us the supernatural slasher as opposed to the the campground stalker or the babysitter stalker. Without it, we wouldn't have had things like Hellraiser or Chucky or you know Pumpkinhead. Like it really it really changed in the mid '80s. Things just like absolutely (laughs) i can give it credit for that (laughs) but like we were watching it because you know the original co-host Haley, i showed it to her because she had never seen it so we were all watching it and when he comes down the the alley at the beginning you know with tina and his arms are outstretched Mm -hmm. like Haley, like practically started laughing what get out of here It's so She's like, unrealistic. It's so fake. And, so, and I'm like sitting there and I was so offended. <laughs> right? I was just watching. I literally just watched it and I was thinking, man, this looks so good. <laughs> that part, I mean, the whole movie really, but I mean, like that part was one of the parts that scared the shit out of me. Right? She goes, when I saw it originally. I mean, I was four and we won't talk about my mom's choices. Right? <laughs> but... Like, I used, I was the kid that had, I, I used to take out the garbage and our garbage cans were in the alley, <laughs> you know? So like every Sunday night, like after dinner, I was ready to get the trash out because I wanted to do it before the sun went down because every time I took the garbage out, like I was like a horse with blinders on. Like I didn't look up the alley or down the alley because I thought for sure that if I did, I was going to see that shit. Right. And it was so, I feel like it's of its time. Like, you know, she, Tina goes, please God. And then he's like, this is God and cuts his fingers off. Like, sure. Here we are in 2020 and we've watched hostile and all this shit where, you know, people are getting their, their toenails and all this shit ripped off of them. But like in the eighties, like it was like sacrilegious for him, for, for him to say, this is God and for him to be a masochist and cutting his finger. Like, I'm sure that really like turned some people around. Like before that you had the killer's, killing the teenagers you didn't you didn't see jason cutting his own finger off and making like grandiose statements like that that was that was a whole different thing well that was what made freddie so different like freddie was like you know i mean like if you think about it like you had you had texas chainsaw right in 74 Mm -hmm. and then you had halloween in 78 and i mean yeah you have phantasm in 79 but that wasn't really a slasher no like you had like you had halloween in 78 you had Friday the 13th and 81. So, like, at that point, the slasher genres were all these quiet killers in mass mm-hmm. that didn't say anything. And now here comes Freddy Krueger. <laughs> you know, doesn't wear a mask. And, like, he just, he talks, you know. And it's not even so much that he just talks. Like, he fucks with people. Mm-hmm. Like, you were saying, like, oh, God. And he, like, pulls out, the, like, this is God. That's like, the first thing he says. That's literally yeah, his first yeah. words. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, and then, you know, he chases her down the alley, and he's like, hey, Tina, you know, and he's like, 
watch this and like cuts his fingers off and it's like he is fucking with her <laughs> like from the hop yeah i'm I'm certain that like he probably let some he let her go at that point like there are times where he's not even planning on killing people he's just you know stalking them and and, and you know putting putting additional fear into them so that you know next time next time they do appear in the dream he, he becomes more powerful from the fear and uh, and then he'll get him when he he feels comfortable getting him. Yeah, like he takes joy in the hunt. Absolutely, right. And he and he has that willpower to hold back. Where like Jason has no willpower; he's just a, a unstoppable killing machine. You know. Yeah, yeah. Jason's not gonna hit you with a pun and then let you go. No. <laughs> like, like Jason is very instant gratification. <laughs> yeah, hedonist over there. But we were actually talking about this earlier because, like, I was sitting on the couch and my wife showed me a thing on Facebook. Like, what state was that? Ohio. Oh, Ohio, which Springfield, Ohio is where Springwood, Ohio is where Freddie was at anyway. So <laughs> I'm not surprised. But anyway, it was something about it was, it was a guy. Yeah. So a, a male teacher was charged or sentenced to eight years in prison. For molesting 28 first graders. Oh, God. Yeah. Eight years. That's it. Fuck. I mean, that's the type. I mean, it's it, so, so, you know, Freddie killed 20 some odd children, and then Nancy's parents went and, you know, went after him. And I don't think he got any, you know, he didn't get any jail time, which is why they went after him. But even similarly, if, if God for fucking bid, we both have children, God, knock on wood, but. Even if someone I knows kid this happened to, and someone only got eight years, oh, it's a wrap. I'd probably also show up and burn them. <laughs> I mean, you know, let's not use this as evidence or nothing, but <laughs> it is purely <laughs> hypothetical. Yeah, purely <laughs> hypothetical. Yeah, the prisoners get them. <laughs> I mean, I've heard stories, you know, where it's like they tend not to like pedophiles in jail, mm-hmm. so they fuck them up. But it's like I hope so. I really do. But that's what I actually told her because, like, I looked at it, you know, because she was showing it to me. She was telling me about it, and I was just kind of looking at her, you know, because I was like, eight years? Eight years? You know, and, and she made the comment. She's like, yeah, eight years for, like, you know, wrecking the the lives of 28 you know, people because, like, they're going to have trauma. Like, you know, like, their like, whole, whole lives, right? And, like, I looked at her, and I was like, this is why they burn Freddie. <laughs> 100% correct. You know, I mean, like, because, like, some of it comes through, and, and I notice people still argue about it, but it's like, because, like, everybody gets on the thing of, like, it's like, oh, Freddie killed, like, 28, you know, so many kids before they burned him. It was like, well, that's not all he did. Like, you know, like, Freddie was a pedo. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you and if you watch Never Sleep Again, the documentary, like, it was actually a lot more overt in the script, and then they had that big thing in California at that daycare center, so Wes cut all that stuff out because he didn't want it to look like he was trying to capitalize on that tragedy of what happened. But I think enough of the subtext was left in that it's like if you're paying attention, it's like Freddie's a pervert. Like yeah. you know, like he yeah, like he 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 raped and killed those kids. It seemed pretty pretty clear to me. Yeah, yeah, like I you picked know, up on that. Yeah, like I mean, like come on, man. He like puts two blades up to his mouth and flicks his tongue between them, like you know, and the 
you know, the international sign of Conalingus, you know, <laughs> you know, and the way that like, you know, when he says, oh, is, it, is it the first one when he says at the Nancy or it's one of the other movies, but like, you know, he calls her little girl, you know, and he, he puts that extra flick on the L with his tongue. Right. Then, or, or even the bathtub scene. I mean, think about the bathtub scene. His hand literally comes up in between her legs. Yeah. Yeah, like and like he attacks, and it's like he's he's attacking her like in her bedroom. But like, you know what I mean? Like, too. I never in, even thought about that. Yeah, in her bedroom, like in the dark, like you know, like her safe, you know, her safe space. Like you know, it's like he's coming into your room in the middle of the night through your dreams, right? Where you're the most defenseless. It is the ultimate violation. One hundred percent. So it's like I feel the people that don't see that, like they're either not paying attention or it's like they they just willfully don't want to see it. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean I've never heard anyone argue it, uh, oh, argue against it. Oh, I have. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, I wasn't trying to like sound like crazy, but it's like I have been in a couple Twitter arguments with people that like have insisted that like yeah, Freddy's a child murderer, but he's not a pedophile. Because it wasn't explicitly stated in the movie, and it's like, no, dude. Well, didn't they like in the uh, the unnamed <laughs> version, like try to backpedal it and almost make him seem innocent? I don't remember. I, I yes, that. <sighs> and that was one of the things I hated about it too. It was like until the last act, there was this whole did he or didn't he thing. Like they tried to make you sympathetic or something, and it's like, no, dude, <laughs> Freddy is a fucking monster. <laughs> like, you can't. No, that's another thing I hated about it. I mean, I only watched it the once too. We went to the theater and saw it, didn't we? Or did we see it after? No, it had to been after because it came out in 2010. Oh, oh yeah. which is like when we just started dating. So bullshit. <laughs> And I mean, as far as like the remakes went with Platinum Dunes, like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre one wasn't too bad. It was the and, best remake of its. I mean, that was a great movie. I love the Texas Chainsaw remake. Yeah, and the reboot of Friday the Thirteenth wasn't that bad. Like, I enjoy the reboot of Friday the Thirteenth. I I like uh, I, I I tiptoe on it. Some like I like the, the I think the first twenty minutes are perfect, and then I didn't love parts of the rest of it. Um, but it's a good, it's a fun movie. Like, like the Nightmare on Elm Street movie is bad, yes. straight up. Garbage. <laughs> the Friday the 13th movie is fun to watch. But it, I, I think the Texas Chainsaw remake is legitimately good. Yeah, like, I can watch the Friday the 13th remake because, like, I am a completionist. Yeah. And it's like, I don't hate myself for watching it. And plus, I like Supernatural, so I'm a fan of Jared Padalecki anyway. That's so cool. it's like, all right, but, like, the... The Nightmare remake, it's just like, who was in charge of this? <laughs> Not Weston. Well, no, he died, so no. <laughs> it, was, it was definitely not just... great. <laughs> so You know what I mean. <laughs> so we got a little bit sidetracked, but the reason I was bringing up this is because I wanted to ask you, Frank, if you remember how old you were and where you were when you saw A Nightmare in Elm Street for the first time. I don't. I honestly don't. Um, it, it, I mean, b- before I was 10, definitely, you know, between the ages of six and 10, um, it all blurs together. Like, like I feel like because to, to, I've seen it so many times, 
it's just almost impossible for me to pinpoint the first time. It's just, it's a blur. <laughs> See, I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> right. Like looking at a photo on an album, man. It was on the USA Network Saturday afternoon movie. And my mom was watching it. And I, and you know, I came in and I started watching it like pretty much from the, from the beginning. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like I saw the thing with the arms, you know, he wraps Tina down and she pulls his face and it comes off. You know, all that shit. But like, I remember it so clearly because like it really left the mark. Like, it scared the shit out of me. Uh, well, yeah, at that age, it's definitely gonna, gonna leave an impression for sure. Um, I mean, my mom would like rent, we would just go to the video store and like she, you know, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, all these movies, she would just rent them randomly and like let me and my brother watch them. And so, I mean, I feel like I probably watched it a couple of times before I was 10 and because I liked it. And it's just like, I don't remember the first time. <laughs> yeah, like I saw that. It scared the shit out of me. And like, and especially at four, because you can't really differentiate real from pretend. Mm-hmm. So as far as I was concerned, like, Freddie was going to get me when I went to sleep <laughs> and, and it was like, and I mean, it was horrible. Like I, I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't go upstairs to go to the bathroom by myself, you know, cause he might be up there. Um, <laughs> you know, going to sleep was, was pretty much out. And it was just like, even seeing him like that burnt face, like creeped me out. Like, you know, as far as I was concerned, like, that was, like, a, a real dude. And, like, my mom, like, literally, I actually laughed because when Monica Keener did um, Freddy vs. Jason, mm-hmm. she was talking about how weird it was to be in a movie with Freddy because when she saw it, when she was little, and it scared her so bad that, like, her dad had to show her pictures of Freddy in his makeup and then pictures of Robert England without it and be like, this is the same guy, it's a character. And it was like, holy shit, like, this is my story because, like, my mom had to do that. <laughs> that's that's how I got over The Exorcist, uh, seeing pictures of Linda Blair as opposed to like Reagan with her her face all cut up and shit. I, I that's the movie that terrified me. The Exorcist fucking destroyed me when I was a kid, and like I would just see, I'd be like flipping through a magazine and I'd see a picture of Linda Blair all all done up, and I wouldn't even be able to look at the picture. And I mean, I probably saw it when I was like eight or nine, and then. When I was like 15, I rewatched it again, and it just wasn't as scary to me anymore. Like at that age, I was just like I was over it, and and uh, and I went like the rewatching of it and just the seeing pictures of Linda Blair side by side with the Reagan pictures helped me get over it all. I was like, yeah, this isn't as scary as I remember. Yeah, see, I I I had the unfortunate thing of like it scared the shit out of me, and then you know you know a good parent. Which my mom did in one thing with the picture saying, you know, real, not real. But then also she kind of used it as a parenting deterrent. Like I was a bad kid, <laughs> you know, loud, jump, like all this stuff. And like she would look at me and be like, if you're not good, Freddie's going to get you. Oh, God. <laughs> right? <laughs> so like imagine the message that like that is sending. Yeah. Some like. So now I'm like, holy shit, like, Israel. Right. Some and, parents are like, Santa's watching. She's like, Freddy's watching. Yeah, pr- yeah, pretty fucking much. Like, exactly. So, like, it got to the point where, like, if the New Line Cinema logo came up on the TV, like, I was out of the room. Because I didn't know if it was going to be like, because, you know, back then they were releasing a new Nightmare movie, like, every freaking year. Easily. You know? 
so like that that logo would come on and like i was out because like i didn't want to get caught unawares <laughs> you know have Frey pop up on a tv and scare the shit out of me yeah, yeah you know like i went to the movie store once with my aunt and i was talking to her and i ran in and i wasn't paying attention and I ran into the, to a shelf and fell backwards. And when I looked up, I had actually ran into a big cardboard cutout of Freddy Krueger. Oh man, I don't know that because they were um, advertising Part Four, uh-huh. and like she said, like I literally went up over her, <laughs> getting back out the door, right, running like a lunatic. <laughs> But now, you know, for the people that are hearing me like talk about this and now they're like, like I have, I have the original Nightmare on Elm Street poster on my wall. I've had it for about 18 years now. Say, I've had the original Nightmare poster for, you know, about 18, 20 years, whatever. And it was, it was, I don't have it hanging up right now, but it hung up over my bed throughout all of high school. Like you better believe friends and girlfriends and stuff were like a little bit weirded out by it. <laughs> yeah. It's always been in my bedroom, you know, but, and it's like, and it's like, well, if it's scary, and I mean, like, I, I would be out with the new line cinema thing, and then it was like, I like, I was watching these movies scared to death, like through my fingertips, but also at the same time, it was almost like I was taking survival notes. Mm-hmm. Like, I would rearrange my living room when I was little, and it's like, okay, my bed can't go on this wall because in Nightmare Part Three, the bed was over here. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. It was pre uh, Home Alone, you know. Nancy has her booby traps and stuff, and it's like your first time being like, "Well, what would I do if if someone invaded my home? Like, like what kind of traps would I set? How would I protect myself?" Yeah, exactly. Like every, it was like I was going to war every night, and it's like no wonder I have fucking anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it so much now because, like I said, my mom would say that thing about like. Oh, if you're bad, Freddy's gonna get you. So it was like, oh, okay. So it's like, this is your weapon. Like you think you have something over me. So then I started. I made myself watch it over and over and over. Like you know, to desensitize myself to you it. You literally did what Nancy was doing. You 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 desensitized yourself to it. You got rid of the fear. You overcame the fear, which is exactly what Nancy went through throughout the entire movie. You know, she started fearful. She she stopped sleeping. She started getting you know through the idea of she needs to be her own protector because no one else is going to protect her. And by the end, she had been through so much that she's like, "What can you really do to me? You are powerless." And it sounds like you went through that same situation on your own, trying to lose the power that your mom had over you by saying freddie's watching you yeah like i yeah like i i pretty much like live the movie (laughs) it sounds like it that's a funny funny little uh you know comparison but like i will say like but like to this day though it's like three still gets me just because of that mirror scene you know when uh you know when what's her face uh she's awake you know, and his face comes up in the mirror and, and the and the handles turn into the hands. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like that really stuck with me. So like even now, like there's like some nights like I'll get up to pee in the middle of the night and like I'll open the medicine cabinet because <laughs> like my toilet's right across from the mirror. Dude, mirrors at nighttime are terrifying. 
<laughs> I know my wife loves them and she's like let's put them in the bedroom and I'm like no my dad used to have one of those like spinning mirrors like a, a, a tall looking you know like see your whole body mirror that you could spin so it would be backwards in one of his bedrooms at his house and I'd yeah. be sleeping in that room and I would have to turn it around every time I'm like this is too much <laughs> yeah she has a big thing now I bought her a, a van it's is that a vanity yeah it's a dresser Okay, yeah, it's a dresser, but but it's got this huge fucking mirror on the top of it, and like I put a towel over it. <laughs> yeah, I have to lift the towel to look in the mirror. <laughs> That's funny. I ain't playing these games. <laughs> it's like I've seen this movie. We're not doing this, right? And it with the whole you know opening the medicine cabinet, it got me a couple times because like my thing is you know like ghosts and demons and stuff. So and I get up in the morning, it's like why is this mirror open? Oh, the mirror. <laughs> Has Matt been in here again? <laughs> well, that was before I knew that he started doing it. That's funny. So he doesn't remember. I relayed my very personal story. And Desert just recently. Yeah. <laughs> I was probably, yeah. Probably an adult, weren't you? <laughs> probably. I think I, the first time I watched through it was with you. I was going to say, I think, yeah, I was going to say it was probably with me. Yeah, that, that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like even you know when I was little like we watched The Howling and there were a couple different like movies back then that I watched and then as a teenager I started watching you know ghost movies and I think like White Noise was one of my first ones that bothered me and now looking back it's like it's so stupid <laughs> but that one bothered me and see I can understand like the slashers never really did. See, I can understand that, though, because, I mean, like, I grew up when the TVs actually did do that. You know, they would actually sign off at midnight. Right. You know, like in Polka I don't remember that. Like, they would sign off and it would go to static. And, that, and like, the snowy static is, like, always kind of creeped me out. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it was yeah. like, it's like, like, I was so happy when they, when those new TV started coming out where it was a blue screen. Right. You know, that, that's almost that, comforting to sleep to. I like yeah, that instead of the, instead of the snow. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and it's like I've seen. It's like I've seen too many movies. <laughs> so, and and I I bring this up because when I did the poll on Twitter, I was like, you know, is vigilante justice ever okay? You know, I said yes, no, sometimes, and I think like yes got at the end of the day, like yes got like forty nine percent, I think. Okay, and then like sometimes got like. 37 so overwhelmingly yeah it was like a 12 or 13 percent difference and then like no was like way in the rear and she was like well when we finally do it mine's gonna be sometimes you know blah 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 because somebody has to take the other side and then like she reads that story to me today and she's like, I'd kill that motherfucker. I'm like, oh, would you? I guess, I guess that's the sometimes then. Yeah. So, so I was thinking about this as I was watching it. Not only so the question isn't only is it okay, but does it work? Um, like in the movie, did it really work when the parents went and killed Freddy or did they make him a powerful dream demon who now came after their children years and years later, even in a more hardcore manner, like, like their vigilante justice kind of backfired on them. Yeah, it really did. Cause then it terrorized their teenage children that didn't get murdered. Right. Whereas if, if they had gone through and, and, you know, 
I forget why he got let go. I forget why the courts didn't, you know, but if they had gone through and tried to get him arrested or, or retried or whatever, you know, he might have just stayed, you know, human in jail forever. And they could have, if they went through the system, um, it could have had a better outcome. Um, well, it was because the warrant got signed. The warrant got signed in the wrong place, mm-hmm. so he was freed on a technicality. And I don't know because, like, in real life, looking at stuff, it's like, like today, like this guy went through the system. Twenty-eight children, eight, years. eight years. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. Like, you look at our real life system, and it's like. It's not the greatest, <laughs> putting it, putting it mildly. Right. I, I've been thinking about, so, so, so they went again, they did their vigilante justice and, and then Nancy was like the second generation of having to, to get that justice served. Um, and it's similar to just like generations of people being, you know, having, whether it's police brutality or societal brutality against them, like, you know, let's, let, let me be straight up, like Black Lives Matter is what's happening right now. And, and there's a lot of vigilante justice going on there. And I feel like it's similar in terms that like in the 60s, you know, there was a huge movement of, uh, you know, where people thought that there was going to be giant changes after these riots and after these protests and after these marches and stuff. And here we are generations later and, and there are still people on the streets fighting that same fight. And I feel like similarly to Nancy, they're fighting it without fear now. Like they're like, what's the fucking worst you could do to me? That you've done the worst you could possibly do. Now I'm not even afraid of you anymore. I'm out in the streets and we're gonna make this happen this time. So where the worst you could do, like you're already killing us. Right? So the parents, like their justice may have backfired in the short term, but it made it made Nancy stronger. Like it, it made that next generation stronger and more capable of succeeding in their justice. Well, too, it's like, I look at it as, as I am one of those and like, cause like, and when I mentioned it to like Lily, like it kind of blew her mind. Like I'm one of those people. It's like, I see that the original nightmare on Elm street, like that is all Nancy's nightmare. Mm-hmm. Like from the word go until the end. Like the whole movie is a dream. So I mean, it ends on a dream still, you know, like, it, yeah, exactly. Because that's the only way that ending. that's one. That's the only way that ending makes sense. But also if it's all, if it's not all a nightmare, then they kind of violate their own rules. You know, when Freddie kills Glenn and her phone, you know, her phone rings and she, you know, and he's, I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. And she pulls the thing out of the socket, right? Mm-hmm. If she's really awake, no one has pulled Freddie into the real world at that point, then that phone call can't happen. Yeah. But if the whole movie is a nightmare and she's asleep, then that can happen. That makes sense. Yeah. There's also the idea that she, she said she had been up for 10 days. The record is 11 days. Like at a certain point, you're in a half dream state. You're like not awake, you know, it's insomnia. Like you're, like what they say in the beginning of Fight Club, you're not awake, you're not asleep, you're like whatever. So it could be that because she's such in an in-between state that Freddie's kind of able to like manifest a little bit in her life even when she is quote unquote awake, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, that's one of the actually I'll say like that is one that is probably the only interesting idea the remake had was mm-hmm. the micro naps, you know, from from being awake so long uh-huh. that you are going to you are you're you're not gonna be able to help it. Like you are going to fall asleep. Like, you know, like in, in like, you know, when she's in the store and she's having those micro naps and he's like walking toward her and it's like I wish they would have expanded upon the micro nap idea a lot more. It might have saved it a little bit. I don't know. But and then like, you know, talking about part two, you know, they read they find Nancy's diary and it's like, oh, this is our diary. Like this girl went crazy. So it's like, is she crazy by the end of the movie? Because she doesn't seem crazy in the third one. Yeah, yeah, she came back from, <laughs> from whatever it was. She needs I'm sure she needed a bunch of therapy. But I I kind of I kind of straddle the fence because I, because like as a dad, like you said, like somebody did something like that to one of my kids. Not gonna or like you work. said, any kid that I, I, you know, any kid, like you're fucking done. Like I'm gonna get you, <laughs> and like I'm not even gonna think twice about it. And it's like I'll go to jail with a smile on my face. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's like it's like whatever. Like you know. Very old, te- old, old testament style, like eye for an eye. <laughs> uh-huh. But then, like at the same time, like you said, it's like okay, their actions made him so much more powerful. Yeah. And then yeah. you get into that whole an eye for an eye will make the whole world blind. I think sometimes, like if you go too hard as a vigilante, like like just to get back into current events, like. You have people ripping down statues right now. That's a form of vigilante justice. It's not against a person. It's against a society. But, like, they're starting to rip down statues that almost have nothing to do with slavery. And it's causing, like, you know, patriots to to freaking come back at them ten times harder and start being even angrier. Like, I read about one of the statue tearing downs where, like, they got a permit for it. There are ways to go about this. There are legitimate ways to go about some of these vigilante things where it's like, oh, well, the town approved it. Like, we're in the rights here. And then no one can have to complain. Um, so it's almost- Oh, they still complain. <laughs> but the harder you go at it sometimes, the harder the, the retaliation is going to be too. Um, so you have to find like a, a fine line of, of not, not because you don't want, you want for your justice to be like, um, almost approved of by people. Like if you went and killed a child molester or a murderer, I mean, nine out of 10 people will be like, Matt did the right thing. <laughs> but like, you know, sometimes people get too caught up in their own like sense of needing revenge that they just make terrible decisions. And sometimes you have to take your, your, you know, your mind out of you being personally offended and think about how it affects society as a whole or how your actions are now going to affect everyone. And, you know, I could almost go with the sometimes answer. Like it's not always appropriate. No one should ever feel like like they have the right answer and that their form of justice is the only right way unless you're Batman. And uh, at that point, you got to sometimes take people's opinions and advice and and, and, and let some things go and, and allow the police or allow the the you know whoever is in charge to to take take uh, you know, figure out what the justice is going to be. Well, I don't know if Batman's a good example. <laughs> technically a grown-up guy suffering from the trauma of seeing his, his parents murdered who dresses up like a bat and beats people up. So. Yeah, right, right. His justice ain't too great either. 
And you know what? I've questioned Batman severely sometimes. Like, he goes overboard. (laughs) Yeah, and it's almost like he tells himself, well, I don't kill anybody, so it's okay. And it's like, well, I don't know, because, like, in Batman Begins, like, you know, like, he drops Marconi off a building just high enough to break his legs, and it's like, he's going to be living with that for, like, you maimed that dude. (laughs) Like, So let me ask you this. Have you ever had to go about and do any sort of vigilante justice? Like even small things. And oh, I'm 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 very vindictive. <laughs> so give me an example that you wouldn't get in trouble for. Don't you don't have to use names. Very vindictive. <laughs> like I still hold a grudge against the kid named Patrick McMasters because he took my chocolate milk in second grade. Like, see, look, I still remember his name. What did you do about it? Not went to the teacher. <laughs> oh no! Well, listen, I grew up in a neighborhood where that was not encouraged. Okay, like I, I grew up in Section Eight Project Housing, and it was you dealt with your own problems. Snitches get stitches. Okay, like we weren't we weren't running and tattling. Like we grabbed the wiffle ball bat and settled shit. <laughs> the wiffle ball. Bat. <laughs> So I one time was at a park with two of my friends. It was like 10, 11 o'clock at night. You know, we were about 16 and some people started walking towards us and we knew everyone in town. It's a small town. So we're like, oh, maybe it's some of our friends. Let's just wait and see who it is. And these three kids walk right up to us. We're just hanging out on a swing and one of them rips out a knife. And he's like, give me whatever money you have. And I gave him like 10 bucks. My friend Heather gave them like her cigarettes or something. I don't think Jack had anything. It was no big deal. We didn't even get robbed of much. But so I'm walking home. But you still got robbed. (laughs) We still got robbed at knife point in a nice suburban white town. Like whatever, like mostly white doesn't matter. But um, so I'm walking home and I see a police officer like doing his little thing. And I stop and I'm like, Officer Joel was his name. I remember him fucking very distinctly. I'm like, Officer Joel, uh, I just got robbed down at the common grounds. Like, what do I do? Can I put in a report or something? He's like, go home, kid. Get the hell out of here. And I, I, to this day, I still like bring that up occasionally because I'm like, like they, you know, when have the police ever helped you? What have they done for you? Well, the, one of the times when I went to go ha- get help, they literally said, go home. We don't have time for this. And yeah, so I, like I, I have no instances of positive interactions with police. Yeah, I can't think of a second. <laughs> I have instances of neutral, like neutral events with them where it was just like, all right, well, that wasn't bad, but nothing good. <laughs> you no, know, like I, I had that problem. Like somebody broke into my car once and like stole some stuff out of it. Um, and he was basically like, Well, we can't ever find that stuff, so don't even bother filing a report, like whatever. And it yeah, was we're like, never oh, find okay, it. cool. Like, thanks for doing your job. But and then when I was little growing up in those houses, like um, you know, like I've said before, I'm biracial. Mm-hmm. Um you can't tell as much now. It's like my skin has lightened out. But like when I was younger, I spent so much time outside and I have like dark curly hair. Like you could definitely tell. Gotcha. And something had happened in the project and, you know, the cops came in, you know, and I went up, they asked if anybody had seen anything. And I went up and told him, and I mean, like this guy was like a dick. Like we knew him outside of being a police officer you know, like he had like, you know, he was an asshole, but like I was seven or eight. And like, I, I put this on the lurking transmissions post, like he spit in my face. Oh God. <laughs> like, so like, so like when I see this shit happen now, it's like, I'm very with the NWA, like fuck the police. Like, 
<laughs> right? And so in, in my case, Officer Joel sent me home. He didn't spit in my face, thank God. And fucking, I, uh, it was a small town. I grew up in a small town. So like word spreads. No one gets robbed in my town. Like this is, this is a kind of big deal. Like, and so like within two days, I found out who it was because they're sitting there bragging about having robbed us. Like, oh boy, you robbed us of $10 in cigarettes. Big deal. You guys are so big and bad. And so one of the dudes sold weed that, that had robbed us and my brother knew him. And so my brother messages to this kid like a week after we got robbed. He goes, hey, can you meet me at uh, the supermarket? I want to pick up a bag. And so these all these kids who robbed us show up in a car at the parking lot of the supermarket. And me, my brother, and two of our friends bum rush this car with metal pipes and just start smashing it and shit. Like, get the fuck out of the car. And they, <laughs> they jump out. I, I, this sounds like a movie. One of them jumps out with a samurai sword. <laughs> <laughs> Holy escalation. He jumps out of the fuck. But like, like literally fucking less than a minute later, like the people in the, the, the supermarket are calling the cops. Three cop cars arrive. Like one of, one of these kids runs into the supermarket and the cops chase him in and they're talking to us. And I mean, I'm shocked that we didn't get arrested at that point because we're like, we told the whole story. We're like, these motherfuckers robbed us a couple of days ago. You know, we, we found out who it was and we called them here so we could get our shit back. And they arrested all of them. The police arrested them all. Me and my friend Dave and my friend Jack got put in the back of a police car to get driven down to the precinct to get our, our statements. We weren't arrested. We weren't handcuffed. They literally gave us a ride to the precinct to get our statements and they gave us a ride home. And it was like, it felt like such a successful vigilante justice because we did it ourselves. And then the police also came and arrested the shit out of them. And then they had to like, they had to like pay us back. Like, you know, the, the, the courts made them send me like a $30 check or something. I was like, woohoo. <laughs> I would say the closest I came to that then was like growing up, like there was a kid that lived like three doors down from us. And like, he, my, I have a sister, she's four years younger than me. And like, he threw a knife at her. Oh God! Like a butcher knife, like he, like he threw it at her, and you know, like I was older, so like she comes running home, and like you know, she tells me, and it's like, oh, okay. So like then it was just like I was watching and waiting, and and then like one day I caught him out, and he tried to run for me, so I threw a brick and hit him in the back. That's that's vigilante justice. <laughs> like so, so I'm grateful. I feel like if if it had just been in my case, like straight up vigilante, like we found them, we bashed the car, they came out and they started. It would have been a brawl in the fucking parking lot, and none of us would have been, none of us would have felt good about it. Like we would have all went home bleeding and fucking upset and hurt and stuff. I feel like the best the best Batman is is when he's working with Commissioner Gordon. You know, when he's side by side with the law. Sometimes vigilante justice, it doesn't necessarily mean you're all on your own. It just means you're like subsidizing what the police aren't doing and then helping them, you know, serve that justice correctly and legally. Um, not just on your own, if that, you know, if that makes sense. No, no, I get it. A poor wife is sitting here because like <laughs> she's probably had nothing but positive interactions with the police. <laughs> <laughs> she's had really no strife and struggle. Right. And I guess Nancy's I had to deal with them like four times. And okay. I got a ticket two out of the four times. So it wasn't really positive, but you know. <laughs> they didn't beat you up or anything. No. <laughs> the last time they pulled me over, I guess they thought they had a um 
a drunk driver because it was like 1.30 in the morning. And apparently I veered onto the, the white line a couple times. And when they pulled me over, I had, and we just had the two kids at the time. And you know, uh, I think Connor was like one or two or something. And he was just tired and restless. And every time, you know, we went under a light, he cried. And I told him that and I was trying to soothe him, you know, reaching back. And that's why I veered. Oh, and the other cop comes around and shines a flashlight in his face. Oh, so that kind of pissed me off. Right. <laughs> but they let me go. So I didn't get a ticket for, I don't know, reckless driving or anything. That's good. That's good. And, and, and I was about to say, I think Nancy, like the way that she handled it was similar. She, you know, she, her dad's across the street checking on Glenn, who just fucking, you know, exploded into a huge puddle of fucking blood and shit. And she, she calls him and she's like, Daddy, I'm going to go to sleep and I'm going to bring him out of the dream world. And I want you to come here in 20 minutes. He's like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. I'll be there in 20 minutes. You fucking bullshit liar. But like, you know, she was trying to do it right the whole time. She went to the police precinct. She's like, I want to check on Rod. I want to make sure he, he's okay. And, you know, it was like they were always a step behind. They're like, nah, he's fine. He's sleeping. If they had maybe gotten down there a minute earlier, he may not have been strangled to death. Yeah. And even like you were talking about, like at the end there, it's like, you know, he's talking about, you know, she's like, is it, you know, talking about Glenn and she's like, is he dead? And he's like, yeah, she, he's dead. And she, you know, and she was like, well, I, I know who did it. I'm going to go get the guy that did it. And he's like, oh, sure. Tell him who and I'll go get him. You know, and she's like, Fred Krueger did it. And, and you just see him. He's like, yeah, sure. He's like, get some sleep, honey. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, and then looks at the cop and, and like, my daughter comes out. Don't let her come over here. She's too far gone to deal with this. Like, nice. Right. But, like, I can't even, when she was in the dream clinic, she took the hat out of the dream. It said Fred Krueger on it. Like, her mom, I, I, like, what the fuck? I, I guess it's hard to stretch your mind to think something supernatural is going on. But you'd even think that, like, even though they're divorced, like, she might be like, hey, uh, husband, ex-husband, like, somehow she has Fred Krueger's hat. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> but it yeah, seems, like, it seems yeah, like he didn't know anything. <laughs> Yeah, like I took her into this clinic and like she came out with this hat. Like, how yeah. the fuck did she get this hat? I know she didn't have it. She's wearing a fucking like a, a, a hospital gown. You could see her ass out of like she did not have this hat. <laughs> and then like and then like and then like for her to sit there and be like, you know, she kind of treats Nancy like she's crazy. Right? You know, 100%. like, you know, she's like, you just need some sleep and bruh bruh bruh. Meanwhile, the fucking blades are in her goddamn furnace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know and it's like bruh <laughs> yeah, you wonder why your, your daughter's pretty much haunted by this demon like you think maybe these like uh, you know, relics of his life have something to do with it and like that's and that's the thing too it's like with how that ends like you were talking about like you know like Nancy takes back like you know all her power you know and you know she's like you're nothing you're shit and she turns her back on him and like, you know, he tries to come at her and he disappears through through her, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I've watched that so many times and it's just like, I don't know if I would have the strength to do that. Well, you practiced, you tried, you know, you, you, like you said, you watched it over and over and over. Yeah, but I watched it over and over, but like to desensitize myself, uh -huh. but that's a lot different than being in the room with him and having so much faith in your strength that you can turn your back and when he comes at you 
he disappears. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, like her faith had to be absolute. I think like you were saying, you know, like, because if there's that. even a shred of doubt, he could latch onto that and like he stabs her in the back. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I was watching a video the other day from in Harlem. I don't know if you guys seen it or not, but there were, there was like, you know, 50, 60 people just in the middle of a, a intersection and like four cop cars came to try and break them, break them up. And, and all these people just started gro- throwing glass bottles at the cop cars and like the cop cars just started backing up slowly, backing up slowly until the point where they had to leave. And, and I thought, of, I'm like, these people are not afraid anymore. They, they could not give a shit less. <laughs> but like, and, and that's where Nancy was. Like, she just, like, she's like, all right, fucking, I could not give a shit less about you anymore. Like, you've done everything you can, and I'm still here, and I'm still going to fucking stand my ground. I think part of it, too, might have been a little bit, you know, it was like, she was to the point where she was going to win or she was going to die, and she just, like, accepted that. And, you know. Yeah, yeah, way. that's a good point like matt like she may have been willing to die like you're saying that that like the doubts might have allowed him to latch on but like she might have just said fuck it kill me that could have just been in her head too as well like i'm not afraid of you you're either going to disappear you're going to kill me either way i'm not going to know what happens next you know either way way, ends now (laughs) one of the ways i won't know what happens next But no, and I get that too. And it's and that was another thing that Nancy did. Like, you know, Nancy got proactive. You know, she looked into like dream research. And then like she started, you know, she started booby trapping her house, you know, like home alone before home alone. You know, like fucking putting, you know, shotgun shit in the in the in the light, light, light bulb, you know, with the tripwire and setting up the the sledgehammer. And, you know, like, you know, like she, you know, and I, like, you know, she lured Freddie downstairs and she fucked his shit up, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. it's like, I think that, like you were saying, like, they made those cops like back up, back up, back up. And then like in Seattle, there's an 11 blocks of like no police. Well, they're closing it down now. Okay, but like for the longest time, though, you know, it was like the 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 no like the Seattle Autonomous Zone. Like you know, they basically they took it, yep. <laughs> you know. And and look at how poorly that ended up going. Like, there's been shootings and murders in there and stuff because they tried to enact their own you know justice system or whatever. Um, there's the whole other opposite end of this. Like, look at. Look at like neighborhood watches. Look at the dudes that killed Trayvon Martin many years ago. They were vigilantes. Like like we're we're, they're, they're, we're like leaning heavy on vigilantes who are going against actual criminals. Like if someone were to God forbid hurt our children or just like rob us or something. But like the bad part is people who feel empowered and just get nervous because a black dude's walking down their street and they go, oh well, I'm a vigilante. I'm gonna take care of this. So like that's also vigilante justice and that's like it's fucked up that some like some people feel that empowered to take those steps see i don't i wouldn't quite i wouldn't quite classify that as vigilante justice though because he just went and got tea and skittles like he didn't do anything like like zimmerman was not getting justice for some slight that 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 trayvon did but he thought he was like you know, he, was, he was protecting. Uh, I, I i think that's the defense he gave i think uh-huh. he was just a racist who, who, who saw an opportunity to kill a black boy that's that's the way i see it i mean he signs packs of skittles he sold the gun for 
an obscene amount of money. Like, you mm-hmm. know, he does signings in Confederate flag t-shirts. It's like, he's, he's a racist. No, I'm with that. I never, <laughs> never doubted that he was. <laughs> That's where like, you know, why I went with like the sometimes what side, because, you know, like in that case, it wasn't justified. There was no reason whatsoever. Um, you know, uh, um, Ahmed, 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 Ahmed Aubrey. Yeah, I can't remember. Like, he didn't do anything, but they felt the need to, you know, go after him. And it's like if that if you do know that somebody did something bad and like the justice system has failed, then all right, you know, go after him. <laughs> or but you know when you just like oh that guy looks suspicious or. You know, I don't like this person being here. Then it's not. It's yeah, it's not, not really. Visi- that's not really vigilante justice. Like that's that's something else. Yeah. But it's still the same idea. They're taking matters into their own hands to stop some slight that they think could or did happen. I get that. Like I, I tend to look at vigilante justice through the definition of exactly what you just described. Like this person did something. They were put through the system. The system fucking failed horribly. So now it's like, okay, y'all fucked up. Now I got to do something about this. Or the system refused to address it at all. Like I tried to go to a cop and report something and he said, go home. Yeah, Okay, well, I guess I got to do something myself. Yeah, like you tried the right way the first time and it didn't work or they were inept. So now it's like, okay, if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's what I see. So, like, those things like that doesn't fall under that definition for me because they didn't do anything. You know, like, Ahmed Aubrey was just jogging, mm-hmm. you know, and they were like, well, if he, we told him to stop, and if he would have just listened, you're not a cop. He doesn't have to listen to you. Yeah. Like, you have no arrest power. You have no authority to stop someone or impede their progress. Like, that's false. Citizens arrest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Of. <laughs> that's not how that works, but but like and I think that's where getting back to my other point. It's like I think like you were saying, those people just there's a they, they just don't give a fuck anymore, mm-hmm. right? And they made those costs back up, and it's like I know I'll probably get some heat for saying this from people, but it's like with my experiences, I don't care for cops. I really don't, you know but I've had my own personal experiences, right? And it's like, I think with the qualified immunity to where they're not allowed to be sued, and then the unions, it's like, they join, they get on power trips, and they think that they can do whatever they want because they go unchecked, you know? And it's like, if you're doing a peaceful protest like they were, like they like in Aurora, they were doing that peaceful protest for Elijah McCain. They were just standing in a square and they were playing a violin because they got pepper spray and they showed up fucking pepper spraying and tear gassing them okay like that is the police showing up and escalating against somebody who's literally being peaceful exercising their first amendment rights and not bothering anybody Mm -hmm. so now you tell me right you have 15 cops in riot gear maybe goes into a protest of like 20 to 30 people, right? They're outnumbered. If the people just encircled them so they couldn't get out and beat the fuck out of them, mm-hmm. like, like you get what I'm saying? I do. Like, 
you know, you know it, it, it's like I tell my 12 year old, you know, like my 12 year old has this attitude. Right. And, and he will like he will talk back and he will say shit in just the shittiest tone, you know. And I'm like, one of these days you're going to say that to the wrong person and they're going to punch you in the face. <laughs> and like, but that, like, that's how you learn. Right. Because you get punched in the face and you're like, well, fuck, I didn't like that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I won't say it so, that way next so time. Maybe I won't run my mouth. So, like, you know, maybe if they come in there and they start pepper spraying and tear gas and peaceful people, maybe if they catch an ass beating, then, then you know, I'll be like, okay, they didn't get sued. But it's like, you know, I got, you know, maybe just maybe next time they'll be like, well, last time I did this, I got fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. I would hope. I would hope like, so. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's, there's a certain point where, like, you have to, like Nancy, you got to fight back. You know, and I know a lot of people won't like that. It'll be unpopular because it's like, oh, it's the police, it's authority. Ah, fuck authority, okay? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm very a fuck authority guy. Yeah, all cops are bad. I spent four years, three years in the military, which is all about authority and not challenging. You know, you can't challenge your higher ups, and I did that. But like outside of that, I'm like, mm, no. <laughs> Dude, I was thinking about it like, uh, with like a zoomed out view the other day. I was like. These motherfuckers, police officers, like, like my tools of my trade are like a laptop and like their tool of their trade. They literally have a gun on their side all day long. Like, like, yeah, they're going to be shooting people. Like, like, why do they like you could say they need guns because the bad guys have guns. Would the bad guys all have guns if the cops can't have guns? What started what? What's the chicken? What's the egg? Like, and I don't know, like, obviously, you know, this country has been like run by guns since, you know, forever or whatever. But it just seems like if you give a bunch of people guns, they're likely to shoot people. Um, exactly. Well, I think the problem is, is that, you know, starting in the 90s with Waco mm -hmm. and then like the, the L.A. shootout, you know, are you familiar with that? Where all those guys like got like fucking coked up and robbed a bunch of banks and then got into a shootout with the LAPD on the 105. Oh, that sounds amazing. Dude, it was like a real life version of fucking heat, dude. Yeah, I want to fight them about you. I'm gonna watch a documentary. They had AR 15s and like they're shooting at each other and it was insane. <laughs> so, but then like the but but they started militarizing the police. Yeah. You know, they started giving the police the same kind of equipment that we get in the military, but they didn't give them the training. Okay, like if you are in the military and you go down range, you have a ROE, right? You have a rule of engagement. Mm -hmm. Like there are certain things that has to fucking happen before you are allowed to shoot at somebody. Like if they come walking up with an AK-47, that's not enough. <laughs> like they literally have to point it at you first. If you shoot them before that, even though you're like, like we've been at war over there for years, right? Mm -hmm. In war, if you were to, if one of them were to come up to the gate and they had an AK-47 but didn't point it at you and you shot them during war, you are facing a court martial for murder. You are probably going to Fort Leavenworth. So if we have to exercise that level of restraint in a fucking war zone, how are these guys? Killing unarmed people and getting away with it. Uh, they get a video on it. You know, yeah. like an orientation video. And it happens over and over and over uh, and over. And and in this case, the vigilante justice is like 
is protest, riots, looting, tearing down statues, you know, throwing glass bottles and stuff. And I feel like there's there's so many thousands of people that have been at these protests. You know, the chop zone in Seattle would have 10,000 people at it at a time. You haven't heard a single instance of someone shooting at a cop. It, like, if, if they're so fearful of their lives, like all of these people are going to like, um, like immediately kill them or try and attack them. It would have happened already. Of course, you hear about the one-off lunatics who go and like, you know, Chris Dorner or something who go on a like killing spree and kill cops for their vigilante justice mission where Dorner felt like he had been like wronged by the police department or something. He's a fucking lunatic. Like he's a crazy person. <laughs> his vigilante justice was was like spurred by his brain having broken, you know? But like right now, there's a whole slew. There's hundreds of thousands of people going about the vigilante justice in a mostly peaceful fashion. And I'd even say the looting is kind of peaceful. Like, yeah, sure, you're breaking some stuff, you're stealing some stuff, but insurance covers that. Like, like the cops have no reason to be so fearful and so aggressive about it. And, and the way they do go about it ends up causing more violence as opposed to like the peaceful vigilanteism that like, if not, if not met by violence from the cops, would probably be very successful, would probably just end up being a completely peaceful protest. Oh, a lot of them were. Like, you know, they had those ones where everybody was getting tear gas and stuff because they put the curfew in effect. But then it was like when they took the curfew away and then there was protests and the cops didn't show up, like nothing happened. And it was like, huh, weird how this one didn't escalate. Mm -hmm. What was missing? You know, but that's the thing. It's like they they get these people to get to get these weapons and they get on power trips and you know, they forget the message on the door of the car to protect and serve. You're right. They, they go out there thinking their authority is absolute. They don't want to, they don't want to rule through, get compliance through compassion. They want to get compliance through force. hundred percent. On the other side of that, you have the ones that, you know, they are, Oh, you know, like they're not on a power trip or anything. They're just there to do their jobs, but then they're not saying anything or doing anything or stopping it because then they're the ones that get met with, you know, getting in trouble and losing their job. Yeah, they get jobs. fired. They lose their job. I actually saw yeah. a story about that from your neck of the woods, Frank. Like in New York, this mm -hmm. cop saw somebody, saw his partner doing something and, and ran it up the chain. And like they fucking smeared this guy. They ruined him. They put him in a fucking hospital. Oh, God. As I read one, I can't remember where it was from, but like they put him in a mental hospital. They made oh, wow. everybody think he was crazy. They they locked him up. Wow. Because he did the right thing. So like if yeah. you're if you're a good cop and you see that, are you gonna open your mouth? Exactly. And that's the one that I've seen. <laughs> it was the woman, you know, she her and her partner responded to a domestic violence thing. And her partner came out with the guy in handcuffs and was choking him. And, you know, she was like, hey, you're choking him. Stop. And he didn't. So, you know, she's thinking he's just in the heat of the moment and, you know, tried to grab him. Well, then she got fired, lost her pension and everything because he had said, you know, like she did all this stuff, like attacked him. And then later it came out. He said that, you know, all she had done was grab his arm. She'd never jumped on him or anything. But that was like 2006 is when it happened. And she's still fighting for her pension. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So it's like, on one hand, you have the ones that, you know, are assholes, and then you have ones that it's like they're afraid to, to face the consequences of doing the right thing. And it's 
And like Brianna Taylor was sleeping. Yeah. Right. You know, they busted into her house with an illegal no knock warrant and they killed oh, no, her in her legal. sleep. It's no not. knock warrants are not legal. It's, I thought they just changed it. Nope. Oh, okay. Nope. But she was just, because you get those people saying, well, if you were just following the law, she was sleeping. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's illegal to sleep in your own home. But, like, you know, when you see a bunch of stuff like this over and over, it's like you're breeding dish. You know, it's almost like when we would go into those other countries and, like, blow shit up, right? Like, you're creating new enemies. You know, like, if we go over there and blow something up and, like, a father loses his kid or something like that, like, you've just created a terrorist. And their vigilante justice is to go suicide bomb you. Yeah. yeah. So it's like you are creating a climate of distrust. Mm-hmm. So in in this climate, it's like, you know, if you applied what Freddie, like, let's, let, let's look at it this way. Imagine it, instead of Springfield, Ohio, it's, it's South Central Compton, right? And dude's going around and he's sexually assaulting and, and murdering kids, right? They're not going to go to the police. They're going to give Freddie exactly what he fucking got because they've seen the system fail them too many times. So in that instance, can you blame them? And that is why I come down on yes. <laughs> you mean yes in the you, you yes, can't, you can't blame them. This is justified, not that you can, you know, but then again, like I have that personality. It's like if you do something to me, it's like, oh, I'm gonna get you back. It's gonna happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm super patient. <laughs> <laughs> You will forget about it and won't even know it's fucking coming. Yeah, right. This could be 10 <laughs> years from now. <laughs> See, even then I still have to fall down on the sometimes because it's like like me, I uh, tend to overreact. So, you know, it's like, oh, you said you didn't like my dinner, so now I'm going to throw the plate at your face kind of thing. <laughs> well, I also agree with the sometimes because I think I don't, like we keep on saying, I think you should go about the correct route first. You should never just immediately take vengeance into your own hands. Like if you do have a legal you know, way to go about it, I think that's the appropriate way to start. And that, you know, if push comes to, to shove and no one's doing anything about it, then vigilante justice is your second option. Right. And I always think of too, you know, like, um, you know, in the instances that, You've heard about, you know, like road rage instances turning, you know, somebody shooting at somebody. It's like that it's technically an example of vigilante justice. Like they were cut off or whatever. They were wronged. They're pissed off. But then they're overreacting by shooting at them. Yeah, it's just the most extreme version. I'm I'm just going to say right now that if I knew where dude lived, I would drive by and throw a brick through his room window. Which dude? The dude there, would be, milk? there would be a note on it, and he would open it up, and it would be like, "That was for my milk in second grade." <laughs> <laughs> and he would probably be like, "Who? <laughs> what? This was like 20, 30 some, thirty some years ago." But I remember. <laughs> the yeah. North remembers. That's too funny, dude. The kid who 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 I ended up attacking the car and getting arrested. I bought like an ounce of mushrooms from him just a few months later. Like he forgave and he forgot. 
<laughs> like we just went on with our lives. It was almost like, you know, my car was impounded. But like, you know, you fucking robbed me, bro. And it's like, well, I needed mushrooms and you had them. And, you know, well, life moves on. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, what year was this that this happened? It was like the late 90s, like late 90s, uh, 99, okay. 2000, maybe. And you said a suburb was like, was this in New York or was this still Pennsylvania? This is New York. It's Long Island. So it was, it's a very affluent suburb it's like okay which is like it was just so silly like for them to even go out robbing people was just for kicks right they, they didn't need it they weren't poor they weren't like desperate they were just bored it wasn't like new york in the 80s no no this is <laughs> long island in the 90s and you know picket fences and freaking lawns and shit lawns and shit Lawn. <laughs> right so well, he he lives well. I don't know if it still is, but like you know, he's the one. He 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 can roll by the Amityville house. Yeah, it's like a half hour away. Oh, okay. Tony, because he's the one who told me that they changed when we were talking about it on the podcast. I said that they had changed the whole side of the building, so you can't tell anymore. Yeah, like he was the one who told me that. Oh, okay. Because like yeah, that's his hood. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we have Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's awesome. Both of them. When I was in Texas, I was right around the corner from where uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was was filmed. And, and in particular, right near my job, there was this little side uh, road, side street cutoff where the very end was filmed, where, where the truck goes driving off. and Oh, you know, uh, yeah. And she's like, fucking bug fuck. Sally's in the back. My uh, This girl I dated while I was out there for a little while, her, her dad was super proud of the fact that he knew the guy who drove the truck off. Like it was, he was friends with him back, like back in high school or something. He was like, yeah, like the guy shows up for three seconds in the movie at the very end and drives the truck off. He's like, I knew that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's me. Like when I was working at the post office, like I drove by the farmhouse used in the Night of the Living Dead remake like twice a day. And like, I will tell anybody who <laughs> will listen. I'm like, I drive by there. <laughs> Amen. Like I told Bill Mosley on Twitter, and he liked it. Okay. <laughs> it's very likable. I was like, yes. When he realized it, he threw all of us in the car and drove us just to show us that he drove by it. Yeah, the house is on one side of the road, and then you go about two miles down, and the cemetery is on the other side of the same road. That's cool. And my 12-year-old was like, you drive past here all the time? He's like, isn't that terrifying? I'm like, no, dude, it's a fucking movie. <laughs> like, it's not real. <laughs> He's a special guy. <laughs> yeah, kids are silly. <laughs> I think I might differ on it from you two guys because it's like, you know, you're talking about the system and stuff like that. And, you know, she said, you know, that they did go about that. It was like they, you guys, they had that climate of fear, right? Kids were coming up missing, showing up murdered, right? She said it was driving them crazy when they didn't know who it was. And it was even worse when they found out. Mm -hmm. You know, because he got arrested. Warren signed in the wrong place, gets off on a technicality. So they go light him up. I gotta tell you, once I knew who it was, he wouldn't have got arrested. So you're you're straight up like I'm saying I think you should go through the system first and vigilante I, justice should be second. You're saying vigilante justice should be first. I just, I, I just dealt with it. <laughs> Dude, that's a, that's a, that's not not a bad position but, to be in. <laughs> but to be fair, with where I grew up, that's what we did. 
Mm-hmm. Like we were distrustful of the police. We all watched out for each other, right? Like we were a community within a community, right? Like it was like nobody had our backs except us. So if something did happen, you didn't call the police. You just fucking handled it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's almost better. Like, like, like if you're going to go beat up someone with a wiffle ball bat, like, I mean, that's, that's a very light uh, sentence as opposed to like, let me call some armed goons on this guy and, you know, maybe get him shot to death today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, like when all those school shootings were, were first starting to happen, like in, in the early, you know, to late nineties. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the thing we talked about all the time. It was like, nobody would just fight anymore. Like, I used to come home with black eyes and bloody noses and split lips all the time because, like, that was how we settled shit. Like, if somebody said something, it's like, well, I don't like you. Well, I don't like you. And then you, you duped it out. And then it was done. Like, it was over. Well, yeah. fuck. There's a horrible instance of vigilante justice. You know? People coming in scooting, shooting schools, they think that they're getting justice for being wronged, whether it's being bullied or beat up on the playground, they're going and being a vigilante and fucking, you know, going, it's like the shooting of a, someone who, who cuts you off. Like that's the vigilante who's lost it and just yeah. completely like th- their, their, their level of revenge is 10 times worse than what was done to them. Yeah. It's like, that's what we used to say. It was like, you know, then I've told my son, you know, it's like death is so final. You know, so it's like, you know, we used to fight. You know, it was like everybody went home alive. And sometimes you won and sometimes you lost. I call that street justice. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You know, but and that was how it was. And like, it's not like that anymore. Like, you know, people are afraid to get hit in the face. You know, they're, they're afraid to lose. They're, you know, so it's just like, you know, this thing happens and it's like, oh, you want to fight me? Well, I'll just shoot you. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa. <laughs> like, you brought a gun to a wiffle ball butt fight? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, everybody at, at a certain point. Have you ever been hit in the face? Oh, no. Yeah. Are you kidding me? My that, face? That's why you're afraid to get hit in the face. <laughs> like, everybody who's never been hit in the face is afraid to get hit in the face. But yeah. once you get that first shot to the face, it's over. <laughs> it, it's, it sucks. But it's like, all right, it didn't kill me whatever but then again i moved around a lot so like fighting was how i asserted dominance when i went into a new school like you know like i picked the biggest baddest kid on the playground uh-huh. and and would and would fight even i didn't fight fair either like one time in the lunchroom i hit a kid with a lunch tray right in the fucking face like because they saw that and they're like this dude's not working with a full deck leave him alone <laughs> Right. I think what I've learned from this podcast is uh, I'm never going to do you dirty. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good idea. I didn't actually, plan on it, but I won't accidentally now. I'll, I'll be- <laughs> actually, I manage my anger a lot better now. <laughs> yeah, he's really not scary anymore. Yeah, I could tell. My, my, my wife has sanded off some of the, uh, some of the rougher edges. Yeah. Because, like she would that stuff happened when she was at work. She was like, my, was he really her boss? It was like someone she worked with. She's like, she did this and did it. And I was like, you need to look at her and say, I was like, tell that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, do you want me to come up there? She's like, 
no. <laughs> nah, I can handle it. Because like when she had our second child, she was a waitress. She worked at Applebee's. Uh-huh. And she went back to work and like her manager was being a dick about letting her pump. And it's like, dude, that's the that's the family, you know, the family medical. Like he has to let you. Like, not only does he have to let you, he has to give you a space to do it. And like I literally called Applebee's, like I got the number of the manager above him. <laughs> and it made a whole fucking thing about it. Right. Even that's a form of justice. Like it's Karen justice complaining to the that's man. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, like I went like, I went, like super Zion Karen level. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna talk to your manager's manager. <laughs> I was about to say, let me speak to the area manager. <laughs> yeah, because and I didn't. I got on the phone with him. I'm like, this is dude's name. This is what he's doing. I'm like, according to this federal law, he cannot do that. He has to do this, and he has to do this. And if he doesn't do it. I'm going to own that Applebee's. <laughs> Sell it for a pretty penny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I will own this Applebee's. He actually did that to the job previous, too. Okay. <laughs> I was having, you know, like, issues and stuff, being, uh, what, seven, eight months pregnant. Yeah. And uh, I was on light duty. And, yeah, like, part of it was I was only allowed to work five days a week, 40 hours a week. But the doctor had written 40 hours a week, so they were still trying to schedule me like seven, eight days in a row because it fell between, you know, the weeks, you know, like it ended on Friday and they'd have me work Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was still getting that extra what, 16, 24 hours. But they're like, oh, but top. it's a new week. Yeah, that would oh. still fell under the 40 hours. So like yeah, I called. <laughs> I got her manager's number and I called. Did that and, one too? And I got a hold of him and I was like, "Listen, I was like, if you do, I, you know, I was like, the doc, he's like, well, the doctor's note says forty hours. I was like, listen, you know exactly what the fuck he means by forty hours. Come <laughs> play fucking semantics with me. I was like, if you do something and my wife loses this baby, I will find you. <laughs> yeah." Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so then that ended too. <laughs> You're lucky to have him to defend you like that. I know. He's my savior. Uh-huh. I'm I like still that. have to beat him up a couple times. <laughs> but like yeah. she's taken off the edges. So now I'm like that. I'm like that mean dog that's on the chain. And I just kind of like growl at everybody that comes past the yard, but I'm not allowed to do anything unless <laughs> unless she lets me off the chain. <laughs> well, I feel like that's a good thing compared to like, considering what you were just telling me about like all that and like being about vigilante justice first. It sounds like she's reeled you back a little. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she did. Like she's keeping his ass out of jail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's uh she's put a lot of work in here. <laughs> all i can say <laughs> well that's awesome <laughs> so now they're like you know it's like we have done like the ultimate joe bob digression <laughs> yeah we have yeah yeah like we should have said like roll it like 20 minutes ago <laughs> it's like back to the movie back to the movie all right so uh yeah what about those cops uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay we said like but i i think the problem is it's like when you watch a nightmare on elm street though and you find out what freddie did like it's like he deserved that shit. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all agree with that. <laughs> In the movies it's real easy. Like I'm sorry, Des, what was that? I was just saying his case is one of those good instances. 
Yeah, it's so easy in the movies. You have just black and white, evil and, and good. And then you try and, you know, extrapolate that into the real world. And it's just, you know, things are a bit more complicated. Yeah. Lots of gray. Lots of gray. Um, I think we talked about that at one point. Were, was that on the air or were we just talking about you know, people not really, like, differentiating real life from TV sometimes? And I think that's where a lot of issues come in. Yeah, I think that might have been an off-the-air thing. Okay. Mm. Like with, you know, Vigilante Justice, it's you know it's easy to look at the movie and say, oh, yeah, that guy deserved it, you know, because you're getting all the backstory. You know everything that's going on. But then, you know, in real life, you don't. Like you're just seeing or hearing, you know, this part. And it's like, well, does he or... Are you making the I need to see what led up to what we saw no. on the tape argument? No. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. <laughs> I hear he had a counterfeit 20 first. <laughs> okay, maybe not to that level. <laughs> I guess in a way, but obviously there's a big difference. <laughs> I know it's just you left that door wide open, so like I had to walk in. I just I think it's easier to look at watch a movie and say they deserved it than you know to go in real life and and do the same. So the guy in Ohio would he deserve it? Well, yeah, because obviously he got convicted, so they had enough proof to convict him of at least eight years. So we got to set a reminder for eight years from now and see if any of these parents come after him. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they don't create another Fre- or real Freddy, but yeah. <laughs> See, that's my thing. Though. I think it's for me too. It's like it's different with like don't fuck with my kids. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like as like far as like grown up stuff goes, like it's like I could have beef with a grown up and let it go, mm-hmm. but like don't fuck with my kids, <laughs> like because that's a wrap. Like yeah. I'm not waiting. It's not going to be any cooler heads prevailing. It's like, it's like you did what to my kid. Like, <laughs> I think we kind of see that a lot, you know, like with uh, schools and stuff. You know, you find out and something happened to the kid at school, and you have the parents that will try to go to the school and the teacher or have the kid go to them, and nothing happens. So then it escalates, and then you know you get the the ones that go shoot up the schools or. They end up killing themselves because nothing's being done. It's like in that sense, yeah, I'd, I could go, you know, the vigilante justice. I'd go punch a teenager for running their money. <laughs> Close enough to of age. <laughs> <laughs> I well, thought he was 18. I punched well, him in the face. That's why I tell, like, especially my oldest, I'm like, if someone's bothering you, just that's my wife. She's like, go tell the teacher, go tell the principal, let them know. And I looked at him, I was like, fuck that. You punch him in the face. I was like, and then you, I was like, or I was like, you kick him in the balls or you punch him in the throat. I'm like, mm. people don't fight when they can't breathe. Punch him in the throat. Well, we know where you stand. <laughs> and we've gotten a couple calls from the school. Oh, I got escorted out of the school. <laughs> My my oldest son, he went into was it fourth fourth grade? Yeah, I believe it's. He went into fourth grade and he was having a problem with a teacher. And I tried to talk to her at open house, and like she was like super dismissive of me. And I was like, oh, so then 
I decided to talk to the principal. So I went in with him and I talked to the principal and the principal called the teacher down. And then he took the teacher's side and started saying shit. And I was like, I will punch both of you. <laughs> like they basically freaking told me to get out <laughs> and like took me out of the school. And they're like, Caden, go to class. I was like, nope, he's done here. <laughs> and you I know, did too. I pulled him out and homeschooled him that year. That's sick. That's cool. It's freaking, <laughs> it's standing by your convictions. Yeah, I called Des because, like, I called her because, like, she was at work. And she goes, so how'd it go? I said, well. <laughs> Dude, I thought I was, like, uh, pretty extreme. And, I like, I came into this conversation thinking I'd be, like, yeah, vigilante justice all the way. But, like, I feel like I've become more centered after this conversation or more or less about I'm like, ah, there's some times I guess that it's not right actually. <laughs> like you like you heard me and you're like, fuck, I gotta balance this shit out. <laughs> well at least somebody understands my stance. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the three of us have like between the three of us we have like like every angle covered a little bit. <laughs> we got like a moral code and like I'm the I'm the nuclear option. <laughs> Yeah, she's like, yeah, sometimes, but you got to think about it. And I'm like, yeah, well, fuck it, but yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> and so, I'm like, I'm here to blow shit up. <laughs> you looked at me funny. Prepare to die. <laughs> I mean, I ain't like that. But... <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so was there anything in your notes that we haven't got to? <laughs> oh, it was a lot of stuff about the movie that, I don't know, we don't got to cover anything in particular. Um Let's see. Let's see. Oh, I liked this because it kind of it, it like reminded me about how society is so worried about the menial things. Like so when when Tina's being dragged down the hallway um, and then and Nancy follows her, you have the Freddy character as the the uh, the hall monitor. He's like, where's your hall pass? And then she wakes up screaming and she has a big burn on her her, her arm. And and she's like terrified and the, the teacher's trying to calm her down and. Like, oh, my God, I'm going to go home. And she's like, well, well, you need a hall pass. And it's just like, well, bitch, shut the fuck up. <laughs> it just reminds me of the people who are too much about the system, like too overly like the cops will protect us or like, oh, well, you can't do that. That's wrong. And it's like eh, sometimes you can leave the classroom and just walk home if, if like you have a, 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 a dream demon after you like we don't really need this hall pass we don't really yeah, need yeah like if you see a girl like wake up screaming in your class and you know her friend was just murdered last like, night right we don't need night. a warrant in this case we don't yeah, need like, the paperwork like, like i would be so caught off guard by that that it'd be like okay yeah go home calm down right uh -huh. like the the concept of a hall pass wouldn't even like occur to me yeah but that's the people in society who are just like it always has to be by the books and you should never do anything on your own and it, like vigilante justice is wrong go get your hall pass and it's like you know nancy wasn't gonna have any of that <laughs> no <laughs> not so much. that's like no fuck you <laughs> it's like the whole the people complaining about the looting and the rioting oh that's taken away from it if they just protest but 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 no shut up <laughs> Right. Yeah, like you said, like insurance will cover that. Like you're you're putting the value of commerce and objects above somebody's life. One hundred percent. And it's like, what are you what are you doing? But like, but then again, it's like you see all this stuff with these people who 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 
absolutely refuse to wear a mask and like freak the fuck out about it, you know, like, and it's like, it's a piece of cloth. Yeah. Like who raised you? (laughs) (laughs) Fucking idiots. (laughs) As I made that argument earlier, it's like, okay, let's look at the worst case scenario on either side of it. You wear the mask. Oh, you might have to smell your stinky ass breath for an hour or so. You don't wear, you could possibly kill somebody. So, like, it seems like it should be a pretty easy, clear cut choice. I wish. <laughs> Their freedoms. Well, that, that's the thing about America. And, like, I will actually tie it into the conversation about the movie. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, Freddie was terrorizing this neighborhood, right? when he was alive, was terrorizing Elm Street. And these parents got together and like, I think part of it, like I think most of it was probably revenge, but there was probably a small part of it that was, if we take care of him now, we don't have to worry about the rest of the kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they took the community approach. Like, this is a threat to the children. This is a, so we're going to remove it. Right. Right. It wasn't about individualism. Like, well, maybe he won't get my kid. Right. Like, or right. he didn't get my kid, you know, type thing. But America seems to be, it, it's all about the individual. Yeah. And not the collective. Like, I don't want to wear a mask. So fuck you. Like, I don't want to have to stay home. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that, 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 that all down the line. Yeah. You know, and it's the same thing with healthcare or anything in this country. It's like people have this real attitude of like, I got mine. So like, fuck you. I got mine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm not going to, I don't want to pay a little extra out of my taxes so everybody can have insurance because I got insurance. Doesn't matter that I pay four hundred dollars paycheck for that insurance. I got it. Yeah, you know, the, the, <laughs> like that's the, or as like this pandemic has proven, it has proven how shoddy our healthcare system and our economic system is. You know, two months of people not going to work and like it fell apart. <laughs> yeah, no one had time to protest a few months ago. Now everyone has time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's like everything fell apart. They're like, well, you have to go back out there. You got to stimulate the economy. But, okay, but we're the economy. And if enough of us die, there's not going to be any way to buy anything. <laughs> so, you know, you got to bite the bullet. You got to think about the group. <laughs> Just yes, that. I agree. Yes, sir. Yeah, and like, you know, with the movie, it did show, it was the whole neighborhood. It wasn't, you know. Yeah, it wasn't just one or two parents. Yeah. <laughs> right, which helps you justify it. If you have like individual vigilante justice, you really have to have like a very strong conviction. If you have 20 other parents with you, it's like, you know, you, you feel much more justified because other people agree with you. Yeah. Oh, plus you get a group that big. Now you're in the mob mentality. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean, like you're going to do shit that you would never do by yourself. Because you're not doing it. The group is doing it. Group. <laughs> yeah, like like if you're by yourself, you might sit there with a beer like, I should go burn that motherfucker. <laughs> but you're going to get drunk and go to bed. <laughs> but you get 20 of you together. Next thing you know, he's burning. Next thing you know, he's on fire. <laughs> like, 
I think this was a very enlightening conversation. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. I liked it. <laughs> so I guess we could start wrapping it up a little. That's the plan. But like this, yeah, I think this is going to be partly this, and then partly just like talking about like the nuts and bolts of movies is like the new format I want to get into. Dude, I like it. I like the social commentary. I like the the like the meaningful, thoughtful conversation outside of just you know Nancy fought Freddy. Um, talk, you know everyone talks about the actual content of the movie, but to tie it into current events is I like this new format. Yeah, like tie it into current events, or like just you if you like you know if you get somebody who digs a movie as much as you do, or even if they hate the movie, you know compared to you loving it, like you know you can really dig into stuff as opposed to just having two people sit at a table and be like, Oh, well we watched this and this is what happened. And I mean, not there's anything wrong with that. Like, you know, we were pretty good at that, but it was like, I want something meaningful, bigger. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Like I want to talk to like people. And, and you know what? You've chosen two topics so far with bullying and carry and now vigilante justice and a nightmare on Elm street where shorts tied into current events but it's still timeless. It's still very timeless. There's never going to be a point in time where bullying isn't a subject or where vigilante justice isn't a subject. So 10 years from now, this episode will still be relevant. Yeah. Like I really want to find, I mean, it probably won't be the next one because I don't want to do two nightmare movies in a row, but it's like, I've already started thinking about it, looking ahead long-term. And it's like, I really want to find somebody that is gay uh-huh. or trans, you know, you know, one of those. And like, I really want to have them on to talk about nightmare too. There you go. Take Lily or, you know, or, uh, you know, Brian from, from Munich cafe. Those are like literally two of the people I thought about reaching out to. Uh-huh. Like I have this, like nightmare two is like my favorite movie in the whole franchise. Like I could talk about nightmare two for hours. Yeah. But I like, think- I want to talk about it with somebody who would have that unique perspective on that movie because they are gay. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have, yeah. I'm sure plenty of people you can reach out to. Yeah. That's the plan. Like I, I want to, it's, it's like, it's like you put that seed in my head, like talking about Joe Rogan uh-huh. <laughs> and like, because like I listened to that at work. Like I actually listened to one today, like he was talking to Tony Hawk. And it was just like, he just has these people on and like, they just talk about shit. And it's like, yeah, like let's get some people on. Cause like people that love horror, like really love it, mm-hmm. you know? So like you could fill an hour, hour and a half easy. I mean, like we're at an hour and 43 right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, and Joe Rogan, you literally don't know where that, I mean, you know, he's going to bring up DMT at some point, but like okay. besides that, you really don't know what's going to happen on any given episode. <laughs> Oh yeah, like you go, you go down some rabbit holes <laughs> on on that. But it's like that's what I want. Though it's like I want like people to like, and it's like I don't even listen to him all the time because it's like I don't. To, to be honest, like I don't listen to it for him. Mm-hmm. Like I for like on, like you know Tony Hawk. Like um, he was talking to Kevin Hart a couple weeks ago, and they were talking about like you know after he had that accident, you know, with his back. And then, like, you know, he had Bill Burr on, 
So it's like, I'll like go through his catalog. And if he's like talking to somebody that I'm interested in, then like, it's like, yeah, I'll listen to this dude talk for like three hours. <laughs> right. He did some episodes with freaking Alex Jones that were like four or five hours. Oh my God. Yeah. But that's like, you know, I'm at work, you know, you put it on, you know, and yeah, it's like, true. you're doing something, you're listening. And it's like, yeah, you get through your day. I could put something on and like, we could talk about a movie and it could be like, Hmm, I never really thought about it that way. Or, oh, that's something I never noticed before. 100%. Yeah. I've, you know, I, since, since I, you know, I don't know if I've ever said this out loud on a podcast, but Matt from Garage of Horrors, the Joe Rogan of Horror Podcast. You can clip <laughs> that out and make a commercial. Yeah. You say, <laughs> you say it in chat all the time, but I don't think you've ever said it. See, that's my thing. Survivor's Guild is the mega popular YouTube channel. And, and Matt from Garage of Horror, the Joe Rogan of Horror. Joe Rogan, <laughs> we got it. We found yeah. it. Yeah, right. It was there all along. We just never realized. <laughs> without some of the, without, I'm, I'm the Joe Rogan of Horror without some of the problematic views. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> well, I don't know. Some people could call your views on vigilante justice problematic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe just a little. <laughs> Listen, they better not. I didn't say I, I would. I'm them. <laughs> I would never wrong you. I've already said that. <laughs> All right, Frank, this was fun. I am glad we finally got to do this because, like too, I said, dude. we've been talking about this for a long time. Yeah, I'm happy to, like I've said to you in the past, like I'll be on as many episodes as you'll have me on. So if you want to invite me on again in the future, I'll, I'll make it happen. Uh, my work schedule changed. I'm available at evenings now, just like now. So make this happen occasionally. Yeah, like I said, like I don't know, I don't know what next week's episode is going to be yet. But that fr- that that nightmare two one is definitely on the burner. Nice. And I think like I am going to reach out via Twitter. Like I was thinking, like yeah, it was funny you mentioned the two of the people, the exact people I was thinking about reaching out to. So. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't hurt to do two nightmares. I mean, it's not like a bad thing. Like, all right, nightmare, you know, nightmare on Street One and Vigilante Justice, and then Nightmare on Street Two, and you know, be sexuality. The the be a hundred percent honest with you, I actually had a thought today at work. I was like, I can make this a trilogy. <laughs> what would you do for Nightmare on Street Three? What Mental illness. Mental illness, bam, fucking dude, that's not a bad idea to do those three in a row. You like, know, I had it. It was like. L1, Vigilante, L2, you know, homosexuality, L more street three, mental illness. I was like, oh, dude, yeah. And you could one, two, three. On Twitter, you could throw a fuck. I mean, everyone has a mental illness. Every every single person we talk to is mentally ill on Twitter, so yeah, you don't even really got to try. Yeah, we were really <laughs> talking about that on Twitter <laughs> in, 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 the, um, in the chat. Right. <laughs> but like, I mean, even me, myself, like, I have intrusive thought OCD, like, like legit. You know, yeah. So you can talk about personal experience. I, you know, I handle anxiety uh, here and there. Like, you know, I, I don't know how bad it is compared to others. I would never. I don't have like really. I don't have panic attacks or anything. But we all have a certain level of. Well, I do. Uh, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> well, it, it, it's mine is the intrusive thought OCD and then the anxiety. They like go hand in hand. Because the intrusive thoughts come out and they make me anxious and then I panic. Like when I went back to work and I had to leave the house, like my first day at work, like I I literally had a breakdown, like in the bathroom stall. I had to call my wife. I was like, I am freaking out. Oh God, I'm sorry, dude. 
because like I had touched, you know, I hadn't been out of the house in like two months. And like, I went in and I touched the door handle to go in and somebody was telling me something, training me and I touched my nose. Okay. And I realized what I did. And at that point it was like, now, like it was a foregone conclusion. I'm going to bring COVID home. My four year old's going to die. And like, I just fucking lost it. Yeah. You're like thinking about the justice you're going to have against your job. You're like, I'm burning this place to the ground. I'm burning the whole building. Like, it would be like mountain and office space. That's right. my stapler. <laughs> but all right, man, send me the download for this. You know it. Um, I will get like the intro of the music recorded probably tomorrow. And what is tomorrow? Tuesday. Wednesday. It's already Wednesday. It's midnight 30. Yeah. that. I see. I'll say I'll do that. I'll get that, and it's then. Then we could have it up Thursday, because awesome. Thursday was going to be my day before we went on hiatus anyway. That's yeah. what it says on your Twitter. <laughs> Which, yeah. by the way, we survived another month. <laughs> it's officially <laughs> July first. Oh fuck! What is going to come? I'm terrified that we're in a new month. Like every month is only gotten crazier. God knows what this month's going to bring. <laughs> <laughs> It's the meth gators. No, yeah, meth gators. Oh, God. Sandstorm. I saw someone post something on Facebook or something today where it's like uh, Mars entered Aries in retrograde. So the planet of war entered the astrological sign of war. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I don't ascribe to any of that astrology horoscope stuff so i got nothing there <laughs> i do a little and then trump fucking tweets today something to the something about you know blah 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 corona i'm getting angrier and angry at china just like i know the rest of you are and i was like uh-oh <laughs> <laughs> but i'm not angry at china <laughs> like, yeah like at all. Yeah, yeah. Like, what the fuck? Like, like, just like the rest of you. I'm not angry at China. I'm angry at the World <laughs> Health Organization and fucking, you know, you for telling us not to wear masks, Trump. Yeah, like, I'm angry <laughs> at you because you totally fucking monkey hump this. And right. it wouldn't have been bad if you had just been even 4% more fucking competent. Which would make you 4% competent. <laughs> like, I see that stuff on Twitter. Like when they, when he first got elected, I used to come at him on Twitter every day, and then he blocked me. Okay. It's still <laughs> the greatest fucking accomplishment of my life that I yeah. got by the president. Of the United I love States. it. <laughs> but then they did that thing, and they said you're not allowed to block people. So then he had to start up blocking. I'm like, so like now I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I do. I get on everything he says, and I'm like, you motherfucker. <laughs> Right. Like, like if we ever do go into full fascism, like I'm gonna have to go underground. <laughs> cause cause like there's there's the whole list of like the shit that I've said to him. Right. You're gonna be hiding. He's like, go find that motherfucker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no one be gone. Deuces. He's oh, the biggest of problems. <laughs> right. I heard he's really into vigilante justice. He's going to come get me out of nowhere. <laughs> it's going to be huge. <laughs> <laughs> huge. <laughs> right. Well, guys, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for being on. And, yeah, uh, definitely. Like I said, because we've talked about this so much. So like, I'm, I'm really happy we finally got to do it. Amen. And uh, I'll get you the file off YouTube. Uh, it takes a minute to... to uh, 
Yeah, it's kind of like Skype. Like I would do that, and it takes like a minute for it to show up. Exactly. So I'll get it to you by the morning. Awesome. Awesome. And then we'll start pimping it. Start pimping. I might start pimping it on Twitter tonight. Might as well let people know it's coming. Exactly. Got to get it. Got to wet the beak. Got to get them excited. Nice. Alrighty, Matt, Des, you guys have a good night. You too, man. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now.